fitting when you see God in his glory, it makes it pretty easy to, to do the right thing. You think about God and who he is and his holiness. And I know many of you see this screen up here today and you know what that means. A child would understand what that means and would fill in the blank of that. And so let's go ahead and do this today as a church. Here we go. Ready? On your mark, get set. All right. Everybody knows what that means, right? Everybody knows what that means. Tomorrow night is the college football national championship, and once that game is over, college football ceases until August, which is good because I don't watch pretty much any other sport except college football. So now I'll be working more on Saturdays instead of watching college football. So you'll get more for your buck from now until August. No. Um, but I, read, I, I saw a neat story about one of the athletes that's playing in the game tomorrow night. It's one of the Michigan wide receivers. He's from the islands of Hawaii, and his parents made a decision with him that he wanted to play for a better high school program that would allow him to get more notoriety since he was off the mainland. And the Alaskans call us the lower 48. I'm not sure what the Hawaiians call us, but Alaska and Hawaii kind of take pride in the fact that they're not connected to all of us insane lower 48 people, right? But this young man woke up every morning at 3.30 a.m. to commute to the high school that he played for. Um, and every day, 3.30 a.m., Monday through Friday, just to get to this high school so he could practice. And then he had to commute back every night. And he wouldn't get home until about 10 o'clock at night just so he could have the opportunity to, to play for this successful football program. And it paid out. It, it worked out well for him because he ended up in Michigan, which is a very well-known football program. And now he's playing in front of millions of people tomorrow night and will probably play professional football. Life is, life is a bunch of choices, a bunch of choices. I feel like in life, so many times, choices, some choices are just cut and dried, and you don't even have to think about them, but there's also lots of choices that can bring confusion and doubt. And the devil now, I think, has brought Christianity to a very unique point in the history of Christianity. When I say the history of Christianity, I'm talking about the history of the Bible. The history of Christianity is more New Testament, you understand that? Christianity is not an Old Testament doctrine, it's of Jesus Christ, hence the phrase Christianity. Christianity has become very interesting today because it seems like, as Christianity today, people have gotten more interested in discussing and talking about the followers of Christ rather than Christ himself. Could I encourage you today to keep your eyes on Jesus? And if we would be less concerned with what Christians are doing and more concerned with what we could do for the Christ, I think we could see revival. I think we could see good things happen. But if you go to social media on any given day, it just constantly seems like this Christian is obsessed with the behavior of this Christian, and they consistently fight over each other. And I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, it grieves the heart of our Savior today. But Satan loves that. The devil loves for you to be in a place of choices. I'm going to start at the ground level, at, at, at the basic, most basic thing today. So Roops is going to help me today. Roops, I want you to come out here today, and I want you... Uh, to, to stand in the middle there, and I want you to walk with one foot on one ladder and one foot on the other ladder and climb up a few rungs there. Go ahead, a little bit higher. All right. Who said that? Okay. I, I didn't think it was his mom. <laughs> I, I know Miss Sherry's voice, you know. Knowing Miss Sherry, she's like got her phone ready to catch a fall. Um, can you go one more? All right, very good. We'll, we'll stop. Can you go one more? Just kidding. Just, let's just stop right there. Okay. <laughs> this picture to me, I take very personal. Because, again, we're starting at the very, very beginning when it comes to the subject of salvation. 
salvation. Satan loves nothing more than for you to have to always feel like you have to make a choice when it comes to salvation. Or maybe instead of making a choice, you can go back and forth between two choices all the time to, to justify and give you some kind of a false peace, but there's really never any demarcation. There's never any clear, cut and dried line, line, drawn line in the sand. For example, Jesus says to Nicodemus a very, very clear point, to the point statement, ye must be born again. That is a statement of demarcation. That is a, a declarative statement that says there's nothing else you have to consider. You don't have to consider your religious background. You don't have to consider all the things you've been taught by people, by man, by religion. It's simple. It's cut and dried. It's Jesus Christ plus or minus nothing. And I heard that as a kid, but I was still confused because let's represent the right side to be Jesus and the left side to be all the other things that man gives to you. And so on this side of Randy Dignan's life was the sprinkling I had as a baby. I don't remember that, but my parents told me I was sprinkled. I trust them. I do remember three additional baptisms. But I also knew over here was, was this interesting, amazing person named Jesus Christ. I had heard about him. I would heard people talk about him and preach about him and sing of him. And, 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 and I went to churches. I mean, that's what we did in America we talked about the numbers going downwards, but in the 70s and 80s and 90s, Americans still went to church very regularly, and many churches were full all over town, and many places of business in small-town America were still closed because people went to church. And, but just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean you are in that part of demarcation, which makes it very clear on where you're supposed to be and where you're going to end up when eternity finally knocks on your door. And so I had one foot on Jesus Christ and one foot on my religion. I had one foot on this so-called faith, and then I had one foot on my baptisms, and, and Satan kept on teasing me with that, if you will, and causing doubt and causing me to, to struggle. And finally one day, a preacher preaches simple, beautiful, cut and dried, and he said, you must be born again, and it's Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. And can I say to you today, that's really not a hard argument to make. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus lived again. He does not need the help of a religious institution. He does not need the help of a baptismal tank. He does not need the help of a preacher or a priest or a pope or a minister. He does not need the help of some, some financial institution. He does not need the help of education and universities. Jesus Christ paid it all, and Jesus Christ is our only way to heaven. This is what Jesus says himself. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father but by me. And so then I went to the one side. Can you actually do that while you're there? And I got saved. I got born again. And that's what happened to you if you got saved today. I got saved. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm saved now. I know I'm going to heaven someday. Not because of anything I have done, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me. I put my faith in him. I repented. I trusted him for salvation. And on July 17, 1994, which this summer, Brother Battle, you had your 20th. This summer is my 30th year of salvation. And Jesus Christ became my personal Savior. And I thank the Lord for that today. I have no doubt of that. I fail him so many times, but I know that I'm going to heaven. But listen to me, the devil doesn't stop there. Even after salvation, even though you, now you know you're saved, he wants you to go back to the original pose. Go ahead and go back to the other way. Are you doing okay up there? If you get lightheaded, let me know, okay? <coughs> doesn't he look good up there? Young ladies, he's single and available. He's got $50,000 in the bank, and he owns a bunch of dirt bikes. I, that's probably the most true statement of them all is the dirt bike part, right? All right. So when Jesus came to this earth, I want you to understand something. He finished the work. Don't miss this now. He finished the work of the aforementioned part of this message. His mission, he set his face as a flint. 
He knew what his calling was. He knew what his purpose was to die on the cross, live again three days later, and ascend and become the Savior of all mankind. Boy, praise the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for that, right? But what did he do for three and a half years leading up to that? I'll tell you what he did. He prepared us to get set. I go ahead and put that. This is our theme for the year, set. Now, stay with me now. Back to the uh, sports illustration. The rest of the message won't be very long. Stay with me now. Look at Matthew 5, verse 1 again. You've got to understand, Jesus is 30 years old now. And if you follow the, the, the order of Matthew, even Matthew chapter 1 has the, 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 the lineage or the chronology of Jesus Christ. And he's born in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he meets the wise men. Then all of a sudden, chapter 3, it skips many, many years. We know there's a mention of him in, in, as a 12-year-old boy in Luke chapter 2, but it, now all of a sudden in chapter 3, he's old enough, he's an adult man, and he's getting baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist baptized him. And in chapter 4, the Bible says, he begins to call his disciples and set up his team, if you will. His disciples make a good choice, they begin to follow him. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, is probably his most famous first public statement where he begins to launch his ministry, some would say. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible says in verse 1, And seeing the multitude, he went up to the mountain, and when he was set, when he was set, when he was set. C can I encourage you to think about something today? Satan's number one job after your salvation is to make sure you are not set in Christ. He wants to make sure you are not ready. Because when you look at, when you think about the concept of on your mark, get set, go, this is a year of the Olympics. We, got, we have an Olympic Games again this summer. And boy, go America, right? We always win the most gold medals. I know they were, they were made in China, but praise God, we still win the most medals, amen. But, but go America, right? And, and athletes right now, right now in January, in fact, even previous years, have been making decisions and sacrifices and choices every day so that they can compete on a gymnastic floor, in a swimming pool, on a track and field event, so that they can bring back a medal to make their country proud, to make their families proud, and they're making decisions. I remember a personal friend of mine who one time was trying out to play for Division I college basketball, and his testimony at that point when he was trying out to play Division I basketball, he had not tasted one bite of one cookie in five years because he wanted to play basketball so bad. Now, I never was that insane or that crazy, but I can still remember as a junior and senior in high school when my coach said, you had a chance to play Division I football, how all of a sudden the weekends changed. I didn't have the party life that a lot of my buddies had, and I got up at 5 a.m. and worked out two hours every morning before I went to school, and then I would train another hour after school and then do my homework and work a job and get to bed at 10 o'clock at night. You're talking about staying out of trouble because of football. I, I made the choice to dedicate my life. Football became my God, and I was set in that. And I tell you what, when that athlete gets on those blocks and he hears that word, on your mark, but then he hears those words, get set, before that go, before that gunshot goes, he knows that all those sacrifices, all those times that he, he made that decision, all those choices he made are culminating to this one point now so that he can be ready to compete and do the best he can. And Satan today wants Christians in this realm right now because if you're standing in this realm, if you're having a hard time choosing, if you're constantly confused, I want to say to you today, it will hinder the potential of being set as a Christian, being ready. You see, God is a God of events, and God is a God of, of calendar and plans, and we know that he planned the birth of his son, and we know that he planned his crucifixion, we know that he planned the resurrection, and we know that he planned the ascension, and now his next event is the rapture of the church. We talked about that last Sunday, the rapture is coming soon, church. We're not talking about enough. Listen, if you pay any attention to even the world today, 
The world knows there's something happening. The world knows something's coming. People are nervous. People are, 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 are very intrigued by what's going on. But we've read the last chapter. We've read the same Bible that tells us all these things are going to happen. We should not be confused. We should be set. We should be set. Now, here's the deal. Can you go up one more rung, do you think? Notice this instability, the fear, the doubt. Should we go one more, church? All the way. No, I, I think we need someone that can do the full board splits to do something like that. Brother Tim? <laughs> I've seen him on a ladder. He looks like a monkey. No, no, but listen, listen, listen. Do you feel secure up there? Do you feel stable? Are you a little nervous? If I started shaking to something, would you be a little nervous? Do you feel like you get a lot of work done up there? Do you feel like peace? Do you feel there's no stability there? There's, there's constant confusion. There's, he's not set. He's not comfortable in his faith. He's not, he's not, he's not ready. Now go ahead and go to one side. Now you feel different, right? You feel a little bit more. By the way, how are you supposed to use a ladder, church? That's the way you're supposed to use it. Now go a little higher. Now go one more rung. No hesitation. All right, now kick your leg back. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> the problem with Christianity today is this. We are constantly teetering between two ladders. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to touch hell. I'm a child of God. But we are constantly teetering between two ladders because we still feel like there's choices. There's other alternatives out there. Listen to me. If Jesus is the choice for salvation, then Jesus is still the choice for Christianity. It's always Jesus. We need his word. We need his guidance. We need his spirit. We need his wisdom. We need who he is. And as I said last week, there are so many uh, uh, distractions of who Jesus is now that we have gotten so to the point where we're f the Jesus of the Bible is foreign to us. All right, Rufus, you can come on down. Just stand right there for a little bit, okay? And I'm almost done with you, brother. You're going to be great. I owe you. Brother George, Brother Coons, I thought of something the other day that really blew my mind away. Jesus said in the last days, watch out because false Christ and false prophets will come. And when I studied that as a new Christian, I always thought it was going to be people, like cult leaders, people to rise up. But recently I started to wonder if it's not necessarily a person, but an idea of who Christ is. An ideology of who Jesus Christ is. A false representation of Jesus Christ. And all over America now, all over social media, all over this world, there's constantly this misportrayed, misrepresented Jesus Christ. And that's why Christians aren't set anymore. Because we're allowing some podcaster, some YouTuber, and I'm not against all that stuff. You know that. Don't go out there and say, I mean, there are some, there are some good information. There's some good information out there. But as I said last week, the over-supplementation has now become the replacement for the original source of our teaching. Bible Baptist Church, the most important word in the name of our church is Bible. Baptist and church pale 
they, they're lower down the, the list. Bible is the most important name in the church, name of this church. Bible is the most important thought. Bible, the word of God. I'm talking about we've got to get back to the word of God. That's why I thank Mrs. Hansen again for that idea. And I hope you've joined me in the Bible reading chart. Some of you say, well, I'm not going to follow that particular chart, but I want to read my Bible through the year. Great, you're part of the team too. But as we read through the Bible this year, as we remind ourselves every single day to choose Jesus, choose Jesus, choose Jesus. If he was good enough for salvation, he's good enough for service. If he was good enough to get us born again, he's good enough to keep us going. If he's good enough for heaven, then he's good enough for this life on this earth. If he's good enough for my personal walk with him, then he's good enough for my marriage and my children. If he's good enough uh, for, 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 for everything we need in this life, then he's good enough for the church. I'm saying today, we've got to get back to the point where we're set, we're ready, because everything we've chosen, we have a, have a, have a de- determination to put our faith solely, completely in Jesus Christ, and nothing is going to get between us and Jesus Christ. You would think that this should be a message that would be preached to a bunch of preachers in a conference. No, no, no. When Jesus came to this earth for three and a half years, you know who he taught and preached to the most? The f- just common people. He wanted people to know that there is a choice. There is a better way. There is a better person. There is an individual that loves you and cares for you and wants what's best for you and desires to be in your daily life and desires to help you in your marriage and desires to strengthen you and desires to bring you to a next level. He wants to be your partner. He wants to be your help. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be there for you through the ups and the downs. When it's raining outside, choose Jesus. When it's sunshiny outside, choose Jesus. When things are going good, choose Jesus. When things are going bad, choose Jesus. When you're on the mountaintop, choose Jesus. When you're in the valley, choose Jesus. What are you saying, preacher? If you want to get set, choose Jesus today. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. When you're set and you choose Jesus, number one, it brings about a spirit of humility. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse number 4, blessed are they that mourn. Verse number five, blessed are the meek. It brings about a spirit of humility. Thank you, Ruth. You can come on down. He's, I, I, the Lord just said he prayed for like the last five minutes. Lord, please tell the preacher to tell me to come down. <laughs> Give Rupes a hand. Good job, buddy. Give him a hand. <clears throat> Rupes, I owe you lunch. We're going to go to lunch next week, so I owe you okay. I'll get you a burger. You like burgers? All right. When you're sad and you choose Jesus, it brings about a spirit of humility. Number two. When you're set and you choose Jesus, it brings about a spirit of responsibility. Responsibility. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus says all these things about the Beatitudes. He talks about being set, and I'm just about through. Then he says, ye are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. Verse 15, neither do men light a candle. You see, when we get more obsessed with the followers of Christ rather than the Christ of Christians, the world looks at us and says, I want nothing to do with that. It's not my job to attack other Christians. It's not my job to tell another Christian how they're supposed to behave. It's my job to keep my eyes on Christ and pray for them in private. We live in a world today where we're obsessed. Obsessed with winning an argument rather than winning a soul. We're obsessed with being right rather than telling a blind man how to receive his sight. Ooh, that rhymed. That was cruel. I didn't even plan that. What are you saying, preacher? Choose Jesus. Number one, when you're set, you choose humility. Number two, when you're set, you choose responsibility. Number three, and I love this one, I'm done. When you're set, 
You choose availability. Availability. When a man is on the blocks there, he is ready. He's been humbled. He's beat his body up. He's been coached. He's sacrificed. He said no to the cookies and ice cream and the alcohol and the parties and the late nights and all the, his buddies were having fun. He was home resting his body and getting ready for the race he's about to run. And then that man, as in his availability, realized the responsibility. He represents a team, a university, a college, a program, his parents, and in the Olympics case, a nation. And then he always makes himself available for that so that his team has the best chance of success. So what is set all about, preacher? Here's what the set is all about. Being set. See, a lot of people may get on their marks. A lot of people may enter the arena. A lot of people get saved and sit in the bleachers. A lot of people sit in the stands. And every once in a while, someone get down to the marking blocks, to the blocks they mark. When you hear those words set, you're looking at the finish line. And before you hear that word go, you know you're ready. You know prepared. And standing at that finish line is the Savior. Ready to say to you, and Lord willing, God help me, me. Well done. Well done. So what is this theme all about, preacher? I told you it's different. It's about getting this church ready for Jesus to come. You say, well, well, preacher, what if he doesn't come back in 2024? I think there's a very strong possibility he could. I'm not one of those guys that calls dates. I don't. But if he doesn't come back in 2024, how are you going to feel about this thing? Not bad at all. A life lived preparing for Jesus is better than a life lived not preparing for Jesus. Now, if you're not saved and you're lost today, have at it, man. You don't belong to him. You get to do whatever you want. But if you're saved, you're not your own. You're a bought with a price. He owns you. Not the world. Not the world. Not the devil. Not the philosophies and ways of men. But Jesus. And finally... Let's get set. And when he was set, here's the, here's the closing statement. If our Savior got set, and I know some of you are going to go look up the Greek and it means he had sat down. That's true. But it also means he was ready. He was, he was set down and ready. Okay, the disciples are here. Here we go. The launch begins. And for the next three and a half years, Jesus did more than any man in the history of mankind. So much so that the book of John says, if we tried to record everything Jesus did, all the books of this world would not be able to contain it. For three and a half years. So we, we, we just know about a few of the miracles. Brother John, was it 52 days of his life is all we know? Approximately a little over 50 days is all recorded in the, in the four Gospels? Wow. And the Bible says they would not even begin to contain it. He was set. So you know what you and me to be? Set. Let's get set. Let's get set. Head your bad eyes are closed. Thanks for listening so well.
Father and for all eternity. 